You know, oftentimes I begin these videos or these podcasts with a word, shalom. And it, it means peace and wholeness, right? Completeness. But what do you do when life doesn't feel that way? Right? What do you do when every day seems to just drain you? You dread it. When you lay in bed all night sleepless and you just dread to see the sunrise. When you feel like you're in a bottomless pit, just falling. Maybe you don't know why, maybe you don't know how to get out. And you seem, it seems like everything is working against you. Maybe your children aren't in a place where they need to be. Maybe their health isn't good. Maybe you're scared of your own health or you're fearful for what's going on in your own life or with your loved ones. Like, what do you do when life is just seemingly atrocious in darkness, whatever the situation may be. Well, we're going to look at lamentations and hopefully find some encouragement in what to do. So let's hop to it. Thank you for tuning in to Matitis, a podcast from one disciple of Jesus to another. May God choose to use this to further his kingdom. Lamentations is a book that is exactly that. It's it's a lament. It's five chapters of woe and expressions of grief. And in the Hebrew scriptures, the, the book is not called Lamentations. It's, it's titled by the first word of the book, as is often the case. Uh, and this word is echa, which means how. And it's not a how of how can this be, as if it's a complaint, but it's a how as in our word might be alas or woe. Right? It's, it's an expression of grief. And you have this word uh, beginning not just chapter one, but chapter two and chapter four, and then it's, it's sprinkled all throughout the book. And so the question that we approach here is the question that this, this book addresses, right? It, it's a lament and it is, uh, we'll be in chapter three and, and in chapter three, if you just read, I'll begin at, at verse one and just read the situation of where the prophet Jeremiah is and where Israel is as a nation. And Jeremiah begins chapter three and says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me, he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He's made my flesh and my skin waste away. He's broken my bones. He's besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. He's a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. And he continues on like this. And as 
In the beginning, I was asking, what do you do when it's darkness, when it's hopeless, when it even feels like your prayers aren't being heard, when it feels like perhaps even you would say God is working against you seemingly? What do you do? And I've had conversations with uh, individual recently, and this is their state. And maybe you've even been there and I've been there and I've felt this type of heaviness and I felt like there's no way out. And here, after saying all this and more, um, the prophet turns to hope right in the middle of this book, in chapter three, in the middle chapter of this lament, he says something that may seem surprising. And the answer to what do you do is you hope in God. And you hope in God, not as some lucky shot, Hail Mary throw. You trust in God because of who God is. And his hope is rooted in this. And he says in verse 21, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And what is it that he's hoping in? What is it that he's called to mind is in verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. So what do you do when you dread to see the sunrise? you remember that his mercies are new with every sunrise, right? The, the chesed, the, the steadfast, faithful love of the Lord, this covenant love never fails. His mercies, they, they never end. They never cease, right? If, if you, all, all authors finish their books, there's a point when every book has an end. Right, there's a point where the author says, I'm done with the words. I've completely expressed my thoughts fully. And here, Jeremiah says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. If you write his love, the book never ends. And there's a hymn that alludes to this, or more than alludes to it, it, it makes direct references to this. And it's the hymn's titled, The Love of God, but there's there's a verse, I believe it's the last verse in the hymn, and it says, If we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. And it may seem odd here, Jeremiah is saying in the verses prior to verse 21, 20 and 21, is God has blocked my way. But we understand in Lamentations the reason that these things have happened to Israel. And Jeremiah is writing to the nation of Israel and expressing their woes and expressing how they need to be freed from their bondage. They need to be redeemed from their state is in this case, Israel has failed to keep covenant. And as God judges individuals, it's it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And even in judgment, we're told in Scripture that even in wrath, God remembers mercy. And that when we're in a place, and not saying that every time that we as individuals are in a dark place or we feel a hopeless place, it's not saying that that is because of our sin. Rather, 
what I think we can apply here is hope in God. Right, there are times all throughout Scripture, the reason Scripture is so powerful is, and I've said it before, it's not just that it's this list of things to believe, like a list of facts to hold on to about God that are just somehow disparate from real life events. Rather, history is a, or Scripture rather, is a record of history that shows us how God has been faithful to his people, how God has redeemed his people, how he has rescued his children, how even through evil, even through trials, even through judgments, God has brought his people out. All right, Israel went into Egypt and became slaves in Egypt, and God brought them out of Egypt. And all that was foretold, all that was told before they ever went into Egypt. All right, Jacob knew that they were going to go into Egypt and that they would be brought out of Egypt. Joseph even said to bring his bones out with them. Right? So what they're struggling and what you may be struggling with, know that God, who is faithful and his love never fails, knows what you're going through and not just knows, but is working in it for your good and for his glory. And here Jeremiah says, therefore, I have hope. No matter all this is going on in my life, I still have hope because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Right? They are new every morning. And then exclaims, great is your faithfulness. Right? And that, that's what gave birth to the, the hymn that we sing, great is thy faithfulness. Oh, God, my father. That's important. Jeremiah says right after he says, great is your faithfulness. He says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And in all this, Jeremiah says, God is my portion. He is my inheritance. He is what matters. And just as that hymn says, oh, God, my father. Jesus reminds us, if you being evil as fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children. Doesn't your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to his children? How much more is your father good than you are? So great is your faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. It's right out of this passage. And it's a hard thing to remind yourself to hope in God. And that's, that's what Jeremiah does here. He's He's talking to himself after listing out this lament of all the pain that he's going through, of all the darkness that he's in. He says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. He's talking to himself. He's reminding himself to hope in the Lord. He's setting his mind on the faithfulness of God. He's reminding himself of who God is. And that's what we have to do. That's what Jeremiah tells us to do. Because verse 25 says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And in the meantime, it is good, verse 26, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. He says, wait on God. Don't get in a panic. As much as we want to, as much as the anxiety tends to overwhelm us and our hearts race, or we can't sleep, or we can't control our thoughts, and they're just 
flying through our head faster than we can even slow them down or stop them or even understand what they are. Just complete overwhelming anxiety. Jeremiah says, speak to yourself. Soul, the Lord is my portion. It is good to wait for the salvation of the Lord. Look to God. Hope in Christ. Turn your heart and your mind to him because the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And how do we know this? Because the steadfast love of the Lord, the faithful, constant covenant love of the Lord never ceases. It'll never come to an end. The mercies of God, his goodness and his gentleness, they never fail. They're new every morning. Just like the oil for the widow at Zarephath that Elijah um, healed her son, and then she took him in during this famine. Her oil, every day, it was renewed. She had enough to make bread and food for that day, and the next day there was more oil. Right, Every morning, his mercies are new. And it doesn't mean that the, the pain or the anxiety or the darkness will just clear or stop immediately. That's not what this text says. The text doesn't say that, oh, you know, that wormwood that I feel like, you know, that bear that seems to be rending me to pieces, that anxiety and that darkness that I'm living in. It's not that it's just instantly dispelled. No, rather, he says, it's good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. But as we wait, we know salvation will come. Right? As we bear this yoke, and he, he continues on, it's good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. It's good. We learn just as Christ suffered. Or what is it that he prayed in the garden? Right? Lord, not my will, but thine. But he still went to the cross. He still was beat and mocked and tortured and died. He still suffered in darkness and he still went to the grave. He went through all that. Our Passover lamb endured that. And then three days later, he rose. All right, for our justification, proving that he is the Son of God. And Jeremiah says here, when as you go through these times, hope in the Lord. Tell yourself, the Lord is my portion. Tell yourself, soul, I will hope in him. So if there's one thing I would encourage you is cling to scripture. Memorize perhaps even this passage. All right, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 down to 26. Read this, pray this to God. Ask him through this trial, through this anxiety, Turn your heart to him because we do have a promise. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Right? That's a promise. So keep your mind on Christ. And even in the middle of all the storm, even in the middle of all the chaos, you'll still have peace just as Christ had peace in the midst of all the storm in the, in the boat out on the sea. In the midst of all that storm, he was asleep. Why? Others around him were in chaos. Others around him were in anxiety. Others around them were fearful for their life and thought they would die. And they woke him up. Like, how can you sleep at a time like this? So in the midst of all of this, hope 
in God.